Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week we're having conversations with guests on different themes and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today our special guest is Sarah Moore. Sarah is a certified gentle parenting coach. She's telling us all about playful parenting and how it can make your life so much easier, as well as many different themes, such as the corporate world, the advice you can get from certain people when you have a baby, and why you should trust and respect your instinct, what is self-care and why it is important, and how you can prevent or resolve conflicts. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already, and write a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. You can also take a screenshot of the episode and tag us on Instagram at The Bubbling Adventure. But without further ado, let's begin. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I am very well. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for joining us. So before we get started, would you mind introducing yourself so that we can learn more about you? I would be happy to. I am Sarah Moore of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. I am a certified positive parenting coach and writer and public speaker and I do basically everything I can to spread the message of kindness and connection with children. I've been doing this for several years and before that I worked in the corporate world um, for almost 20 years so I definitely know all about negotiating not only with big people but also with small people in this new version of my work. So I'm really glad to be able to share some of the things I've learned along the way with you and your audience. Yes, thank you so much. I'm very excited. And so what is a parent coach exactly and why we need one? What is it exactly? Yes, well, a lot of people talk about how their kids don't come with an instruction manual when they are born and how hard it can be to navigate this parenting journey. Well, in my opinion, children actually do come with an instruction manual. And as a parent coach, my job is to help you read 
your child and help develop a connection-based relationship with the child to reduce power struggles, to increase joy within the family and really make the whole parenting job as well as the job of being a child easily or easier and more fun for everybody in the family. So my job is to help facilitate that connection and make living together a more pleasant place to be. Hmm, that's amazing. And so how, how did you even learn how to be a parent coach? Did you receive a training or be, are you self-made or how did it work? That's a very good question. Kind of all of the above. Um, when I became a parent, I too fell into the trap of thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And when I sought out advice, some of the advice I received felt right to me, but a lot of the advice I received felt completely wrong. For example, I often share the story where when my daughter was only about four months old or so, I took her in for a standard pediatrician checkup to make sure that she was developing as she should be. And her pediatrician, who was a very, very well-respected man in the city where we were living at the time, he offered this parenting advice proactively. I didn't ask him anything about it. He just said, oh, by the way, it's really helpful for you to know that whenever your daughter cries, don't pick her up. Just leave her there and she'll figure it out because you don't want her to become dependent upon you. And that basically disagreed with every fiber of my being because I thought, hold on a minute. Mm. Of course, my natural instinct is to pick up my child when she cries. And don't I want to raise a child to depend on me? She's only an infant. She's by very definition of being an infant, she is dependent. So I want to show her that whether she's four months old, four years old, or 40 years old, that when she has a need, she can count on me to be there for her. And I really got mad in that moment for him, you know, that he gave this bad advice to me. So I started to research it. It, it in hindsight, was really a gift because I started to research, well, is there any science behind my desire to connect with my child? Is there any science behind why I should pick her up, why I should show up for her in all of these ways? And lo and behold, there was a ton of science saying, yes, respond to your baby. Yes, connect to your child. This is how child development and brain development works. And the more I started taking on neuroscience as a hobby, the more I realized how much my child did need me to show up for her in all of these ways. And I started to think, you know, if I didn't have the science to back this up, certainly this doctor was not operating under good information. I bet there are a lot of parents out there who are receiving the same bad information and going against their instincts to be there for their children. What can I do to help empower other parents to develop connection-based relationships with their children, no matter how old their mm -hmm. children are? That's when Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting was born, where I started sharing my research with parents around the world. And along with that, I did make sure to get the proper certifications so that I wasn't just sharing my opinion. I was sharing my 
experience based on science, based on research, based on best practices of what we know human nature requires for optimal development. Mm, that's incredible. Like how can someone we consider as professional, you know, a pediatrician could give just this piece of advice like that being clearly outdated, but also just for free, you know, nothing. <laughs> just, oh, here's my opinion. So yeah, no, it's great that you sort of challenged what he told you and you just didn't follow it. And I, I guess, that's also what gives you the, the willpower to do what you do because you don't want anyone else to actually follow this advice. So I think it, it's very nice. And so at this point, you are still in the corporate world then. And what made you, was it gradual? Were you studying neuroscience on the side of your corporate life before and then you decided to quit? Or how did this transition happen? Sure. It was a couple of things, actually. I was studying this on the side, but I also realized that what my job was demanding of me was, you know, I loved my job. I had a wonderful job. And especially having been in the corporate world for almost 20 years, it was a huge part of my identity as a human. So mm -hmm. the transition out of the corporate world was a tough one. But I looked at this small child in front of me and thought, I simply cannot give her to somebody else to raise, basically, because there were times when I was traveling for long periods of time, and she wouldn't have been able to come with me. I was working from the minute I woke up in the morning until late at night, I had no balance. Mm -hmm. And in the job that I had, I was on a path towards higher and higher up in the company, I was going toward executive leadership. And knowing that that was my path, that was not going to allow for greater balance. So that's when I started to scale back and think, you know what? I know that I am replaceable at work. I also know that I am not replaceable at home. Mm -hmm. We were fortunate. I know that not everybody has the option to leave their corporate job. We were fortunate in that My husband simultaneously had been offered a job that was across the country. So if he were to take the job, it was good timing for me to leave anyway. So that kind of all fell into place at the right time. And as far as what I was studying, yeah, I was studying neuroscience. But here is a sort of interesting tidbit. I was also studying improvisational comedy before my daughter was born. Mm. So I had this history of creating joy, this history of finding balance by going with the flow and being on stage with these people where you never knew what was going to happen next. And that is perhaps the best parenting training that I have ever gotten because so much of parenting is you don't know what's going to happen next. You have to be flexible. You have to adapt to the situation in front of you. So with all of those things kind of happening simultaneously or within the same short period of time, I felt very well equipped and very well empowered to say, I'm going to focus on my child. I'm going to focus on developing this business because I feel that this is a business that can really make a difference in the world. There will be some child somewhere in the world who might be treated better because of something that they learned here. And I don't pretend to be wonderful. I don't pretend to know everything, but I do share good information. 
So if the information somehow empowers that other parent to heal a relationship that would have not otherwise been healed, the world is becoming a better place. So it was really, at the end of the day, a desire to change the world for the better that made me want to get into this work. Mm, that's incredible. Yes. And so how do you do it then? What are the cases that you help with most of the time, like the most frequent, I don't know, issues that you help with or doubts maybe? Yeah. People typically come to me for a couple of different reasons. Either they are seeing what they perceive to be behavioral challenges in their child. Mm -hmm. And they are thinking, what can I do to fix this problem? What can I do to fix my child? Something isn't working here. Can you give me any tips to address this behavior? So some of it is like that. The other category, if you will, is people will come to me and say, something doesn't feel right to me. I was raised in a way that doesn't resonate with me anymore. I know that there is pain here. I know that I am bringing some things into this relationship that aren't serving the greater good, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I can tell we need some healing. So that's the other side where the parent is saying, I know I've got some work to do here and I want to yell less. I want to you know, fill in the blank with whatever damaging behavior they are perpetuating. That thing I don't want to do anymore, can you help me not do it anymore? And I can certainly help in those situations as well. Yes, I guess it's a big part of parenting to also think about our childhood and fix our issues because we all have some at some point, even if we think we received an amazing childhood or education. We still have some, some work to do. So I think it's amazing to, for, for people to even be aware of it and come to you to, to fix things and have also a second opinion probably and more clarity on, on the matter. But so are they one-to-one -one sessions? Are they group sessions? How does it work then your, your coaching? And also maybe how long it takes, although maybe it depends on each person. Sure. Those are great questions. Um, there are a couple of different ways that I typically handle it. I do offer mini courses that I have pre-recorded and oftentimes people can go to the mini courses. And by the way, I always give away one for free just to see if my style resonates with the person who's watching it. I do not sit in some corner office wearing my suit, you know, being uber professional, if you will. I'm a real mama. So some of the sessions are out in my backyard. You know, I'm wearing my shorts and my t-shirt. I'm real because I am real. Yeah. So sometimes people will simply watch mini courses and say, okay, I got what I needed. This is helpful. When it comes to one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, I do offer individual sessions and sometimes a single session will be enough. Other times we will decide, you know what, let's do a series of 10 and we come up with a specific outline of what we want to accomplish. Oftentimes that is where the client has realized that they have some inner work to do because of course our inner child, our inner work is often the most important and the toughest mm -hmm. because we have internalized these patterns that we have learned or that were taught to us when we were younger and it takes a bit of undoing. So 
Basically, I will customize what somebody needs to make sure that it really addresses their goals. We never just look at it as far as, all right, here's a Band-Aid approach, you know, something we can try for a day. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, too bad. When I offer solutions, I want things to work for the long term for people. So that is one approach. I also do corporate and group sessions. So sometimes a business will come to me and say, can you provide a webinar or a live coaching session? Um, certainly school districts have contacted me and other times it's just a group of mamas. I might have five or six mamas and or dads who say we wanna do better and we want just general live sessions with you where we can sort of talk through our issues with one another in community so that we can brainstorm and learn from one another. So I will customize based on whatever it is people need. Hmm, that's nice, yes. And so do you use particular techniques or terms? Because we spoke before uh, about playful parenting. So I wonder if you could tell us more about that and if there are also some other interesting aspects to parenting that you can teach us more about. Absolutely, yeah. Playful parenting is one tool that I often use with parents, particularly parents of younger children, because if there is one theme that I hear over and over and over again, it's around my child won't cooperate with what I want them to do. Mm -hmm. So if we look at playful parenting, in a nutshell, what it is, is it's a way of communicating with a child in his or her own language. We all know that play is the language of childhood. Children learn through play, they communicate through play. Most children would spend all day, every day in play mode if they could. So when we speak their language, it makes all of our lives easier. Let me give an example or two, mm -hmm. because I'm sure there are some people listening who will say, what in the world is playful parenting? <laughs> well, it's really common for an adult to say to a, to a child, because we are thinking in adult mode, we're thinking about the things that need to get done, right? We're very efficient mm -hmm. that way. It's common for an adult to say to a child, it's time to go, go put on your shoes and get your coat and go to the car. Well, for a child who's in the middle of playing or watching TV or doing whatever it is they're doing, the child will not feel any intrinsic motivation to go through those steps, to go get the coat and the shoes and you know go to the bathroom and whatever else they have to do before leaving the house. That's really a, an adult way of framing what needs to happen. If the adult can be silly. If the adult can make it an enjoyable process, they are much more likely to get their child's agreement and engagement and cooperation. So using the example I just shared, and of course, there are many, many ways that this can manifest with a parent and a child. First of all, I would recommend that the parent break down the tasks. What I said before is a lot for a kid to remember. Go potty, get your shoes, get your coat, go to the door, go to the car. That's a lot of steps. Mm. So if a parent can break it down and say, all right, it's time to go potty, go to the bathroom, but make it fun. Let's roll out this imaginary red carpet down to 
the end of the hallway where the bathroom is. Now let's pretend we're royalty and let's march down the red carpet together. Or maybe you pick up the child and you are taking them to a rocket ship, you know, but you can make the end of the hallway, you can make the bathroom anything you want it to be, but you can frame it in a way that's goofy, that's fun. Mm. Do you have to be hilarious? Do you have to be super creative? Not at all. Just make it something that will resonate with the child. If your child is into royalty and princes and princesses, go with the red carpet. If your child is into playing with little figurines, grab a couple of figurines and tell your child, this figurine has to go to the bathroom but doesn't know where to go. Can you please show him? And have your child take that little figurine Mm -hmm. to the bathroom. And next thing you know, you've got a child who's moving along with you. So you can imagine the different ways that that would manifest for the different tasks that I outlined. Maybe the child is not getting shoes. Maybe the child is getting, I don't know, I sometimes call them things like moon boots. And we're going to pretend that we're putting on our moon boots and we're taking giant moon steps towards the door. The shoes are the same as they've always been. But as soon as you pretend that you're walking on the moon or walking to the moon, suddenly the child thinks, well, this is a lot more fun than it used to be. And when you are working from that place of mutual enjoyment, first of all, I want to point out that it's mutual. You'll have more fun too as a parent. And secondly, you will hear yourself yelling less. You will feel less frustration rising up in your gut because your child is not doing what you want them to do. Power struggles go away and you start having more fun as a parent. And guess what? When you're having more fun as a parent, your kid by default is having more fun too. And it makes everything easier. So I just happened to choose going out the door but it could be coming to the table for breakfast, you name it. There is always a way to initiate some fun along with whatever you're doing, even if you're just taking silly steps or maybe you dance your way to the table. Find some way to add some joy and everything else gets easier. As I mentioned, this is a tool. This is not a solution to every problem, but I'll tell you this. It is a preventative measure where when taken consistently and predictably with children, it is a guarantee to have less conflict in your home. And when you use it retroactively, when you use it to make up for something that didn't go as you planned, it's a great tool for reconnection so that we don't have to walk around carrying so much stress on our Mm. shoulders every day. Because let's face it, parenting can be hard. But when you use positive parenting and playful parenting as one of many tools in your parenting toolkit, it makes everything everything easier for everybody in your household. I really like that. I think it's brilliant because then you have fun as well and you get to be, you know, a goofy kid as well. I mean, it's it's amazing to, to, to be that and to have fun as, with your children. So how important is consistency, for example, with this method? Because I imagine that at the beginning also takes practice, as you said, because it's like the improvisation on, on the stage. It, it's a good transferable skill, but then you also have to build it up so you don't feel too uncomfortable. But then once it's 
also acquired, it, does it really matter to be consistent with it? Or how do you basically gouge between like when do you need to, to use it or maybe also how much time it takes? <laughs> That's a really good question. Consistency is always a good thing. If we put ourselves in the child's shoes and sometimes the child sees a playful and lighthearted parent and other times the child sees the same parent yelling and bossing them around you know, telling them to do things and being basically the opposite of playful, that's going to be really confusing for the child. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine how the child would have a hard time trusting the adult because they don't know what to expect. So we have to commit to improving the relationship and taking power and control out of the equation. That said, I don't recommend being playful and goofy all the time because it's not sustainable. We are not always in goofy, playful moods. Mm. Oftentimes, if we're teetering on the edge, by all means, go there. Because if it's salvageable, if we can make things better, always do. But there are going to be other days because we're human where we're just not feeling it or our child just isn't feeling it. Sometimes we wake up tired, we didn't get enough sleep, or we haven't nourished our bodies properly, and we are dragging through the day. If we try to be too playful in those scenarios, it will come off as inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And that is no more helpful to the child than going along with it if they think, wow, you know, my parent is really trying to be playful, but they're doing it through gritted teeth. The actions don't match the feeling that's in the room. Mm -hmm. So we really have to be true to ourselves. I realize that this can sound like a conflicting message, particularly for the parent who says, I haven't taken improv classes. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not naturally funny. I wanna take the pressure off your shoulders here. You don't have to be funny. This is not about being the court jester who comes and just is naturally hilarious. Mm -hmm. It's not about that at all. It is about tuning into what your child likes and going with that. So for example, if your child isn't putting away their toys, maybe you don't feel particularly playful. You don't even necessarily have to say a word in this moment, but you also don't need to resort to yelling maybe you can start picking up a couple of their toys and pretending they are cars driving back into the toy box. You don't have to say a word. You can just kind of move your body differently. You can find lots of ways to get into the rhythm of what your child is doing rather than trying to introduce a new concept that may not feel true to you in that moment. But yes, the more you practice, the easier it will get. And I sometimes give this advice to people. If it feels too hard, if it feels like it's not working, pick one time of day or one activity where you are going to try it consistently. It might be that getting out the door is usually a struggle. Mm -hmm. So use some of those tips that I shared to help get out the door. And the more reliably you can use those, the more your child will start to trust, oh, this isn't always painful. This is sometimes fun. 
it will take some time because your child has probably come to believe just like you do that this is always a stressful situation. It always takes time to develop new patterns and new habits. Practice, commit to that one time every day where you're going to try a lighter and more joyful approach. Don't worry about the rest of the day yet. Try just that one part and I promise you this, once you get more comfortable with that one part of your day being lighter hearted, you will naturally start to incorporate it into other parts of your day as well. So don't feel like suddenly you need to change every single thing about your parenting. That's too overwhelming and frankly, too unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Start small, give yourself practice sessions, and frankly, talk to your child about it. Let them know, hey, getting out the door has been a problem for us. I want to see if I can find some ways to make it more fun and more playful. Would you be open to that? Of course, the child's going to say yes. Let them know what you're planning to do so that they can be on board with it and accept that you are trying to change. Mm, for sure. And there are also exercises I can think of. I, I'm sure you know the yes and, for example, that you can practice with your child depending on their age or even your partner because it's good for relationships in general. So that the exercise is, for example, if I tell you, oh, we're going to go to the neighbors and then you add yes and we're going to bake cakes to gift them or something like that. And then yes, and yes, and that's yes, and, and then you end up with something. It's obviously it doesn't make any sense, but you both participated in creating this scenario. And I think that's at the beginning, it feels a bit weird, <laughs> but then you just play along. And yeah, it's also about both parties participating, because then if you, as you said, tell your child that this is what you want to do, then they get to have a say in it and be, oh no, I, I'm not the princess, I'm the, the queen or something, you know, or whatever. Or <laughs> So I think that would, be, that would be fun as well to involve them in the process and ask them what they want to do maybe. Absolutely, yes. I love that you mentioned the yes and. That is one of the basic tenets of improvisational comedy where we stop saying no so much. We just go with it, you know. If the child says, I demand chocolate for dinner. Oh, yes. And would you like a slice of cake on top of that? And how about an ice cream on top of that? You can just keep growing and growing. It doesn't mean you need to follow through with that, but you're acknowledging the child's desire for something and you just roll with it because it's fun. And I love the other part that you mentioned there about asking for your child's input. I would be totally remiss if I didn't talk about the child's part in this too. Sometimes our best thing we can possibly do is to ask our child, what would help? What would make this better for you? What do you think would be the best solution to this problem? And then close our mouths and listen without judgment to their ideas. It is amazing. The creative, silly, out there, brilliant ideas children often have to problem solving. And you're exactly right. Maybe the child does not want to be the princess. Maybe the child decides that she is a, you know, a rocket scientist or a, who knows what, mathematician. Oh, you want to be a mathematician? Well, how do I get a mathematician to the back, to the bathroom? <laughs> well, maybe I use my finger as an imaginary pencil and I write out math equations the whole way down 
the hallway to the bathroom. Go with what the child suggests and you will have so much more natural buy-in because we all have our own ideas, right? Well, the same is true for children. For sure. No, that's very inspiring. I really like that. And it definitely sounds like it makes all the lives within the, the family easier, for sure. And so do you feel any pressure because you're a parent coach? How do you cope with either the pressure that you put on yourself, maybe, or pressure from your family, friends, or maybe former co-workers? How... How does it work, you know, because I know that mom shaming is a real thing and especially with the social media. So if you can tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly there is pressure. That said, mistakes are often our best teachers. So for anybody who follows me on social media, mm -hmm. you will see that a lot of what I share is based on mistakes that I have made. I don't pretend for a minute to be perfect. I will gladly share my flaws and my shortcomings and say, here's something I did wrong and here's what I learned from it, along with the science of why this other way is better. Mm. So I think we can all drop the facade of pretending that we're perfect and thinking that we need to be perfect. In fact, I have a couple of mini courses about letting go of mom guilt and reconnecting with our children after we've made mistakes, because we're going to make those mistakes. And if we can go through not only the rupture or the, the breaking of what felt like closeness or a close relationship with our child, but move into repair and fix things, we actually end up stronger than if things were just perfect all the time. So by all means, embrace your mistakes, learn from them, proactively accept the fact that you are going to make more mistakes. You might not make the same ones, or maybe you will, but give yourself that grace to be human because you are human. You are going to keep messing up. But if you have a generally positive, collaborative, trusting, loving relationship with your child and with yourself, you know that you will recover. It's kind of like when you are carrying a bucket full of water, if you try to carry it across the yard, some of it's going to spill out. Mistakes are kind of like that. They're kind of like that water that spills out. You can't possibly carry this bucket of water perfectly across the yard. But if the bucket is still mostly full when you get to the other side, you have been a wonderful success. And those spills are not going to define you anymore. For sure. And it's also a good lesson for the kids, obviously, because having the humility to apologize when you make a mistake or to, you know, just show that nobody's perfect and that it's okay and that also how we react when they make a mistake is very important because I think nowadays it's it's much better but it used to be pretty bad where the, the parent has the right to do everything and then if the, the kid makes one small mistake then they're punished or whatever so I think it's also it's also good to show that we're not perfect and we're all learning and it's a, a long and exciting process. Exactly. Yes. In fact, not only accept the mistakes, but highlight them, especially when we make them ourselves. For example, if I 
knock over it. In fact, I did this recently. I had a glass bottle of juice that I was carrying through my garage. I dropped it, it shattered. We had an entire garage full of sticky, sticky juice on an extremely cold day. There was nothing in the world I wanted to do less than go out and clean up the sticky juice from the garage floor. And you know what I did? I went inside and said, hey, come look what I did. Look at this incredible colossal mistake that I made. I dropped this juice, look at the mess. And you know what? It's part of normalizing the human experience and showing how we forgive ourselves because our kids are gonna have to learn how to forgive themselves too. So if we model perfection or if we expect perfection, we're going to end up with kids who have a lot of anxiety. So highlight your own mistakes and let your children laugh at them. Let your children point out your mistakes and say, yeah, I really did make a mess. You know, we don't need to take it all so so seriously. We need to take ourselves less seriously. And we'll just have a whole lot less stress in our lives if we do these things. No, for sure. Yeah, I really like that. It's making me think a lot. And yeah, we can really learn, like, instead of just being mad at cleaning the juice, we can make it a lesson. So it's already much better. <laughs> and so is there any advice that you would like to share? Yes, I think some of the best advice that I could give, and I could take this a number of different directions, but make sure, you know, there, there's a topic, self-care. Self-care, people tend to think of as a dirty word these days, because what does that mean? Does that mean going to the spa? Does that mean girls' night out? I don't have time or money or motivation or energy to do those things anymore. Therefore, I can't really take care of myself. Well, that's not true. I'm going to suggest that you take care of yourself by finding some way, every single way, to create some joy in your life not just for your kids, but just for yourself. Your joy might be, I am going to pour my favorite cup of hot tea and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to hold my tea with both hands, take some deep breaths while I feel the warmth going into my hands. You can do really small things mm -hmm. just to nourish yourself, just to nourish your soul. You can put on some music and dance, stretch your body, do something every single day that makes you feel good because when you feel good you have more of that goodness to share with your family where all of the rest of it the playful parenting the connection the repair when there's conflict all of that will come more easily if you have some joy within you from which to draw so that you can share it with others For sure. I think it's so important. And yeah, as you said, self-care can be so many different things. You find your thing, it can be for only five minutes or if you're lucky and you manage to, to find a bit more, you know, you can even take a longer shower for a few minutes or something. It can be so many different things. So it's very important to prioritize yourself. And it's a recurring theme as some people feel a bit guilty to not spend that time with their loved ones with their children but then you're not really there with them if you're if you're not taking care of yourself so yeah that's for sure and uh, no thank you so so much for sharing all of that I'm super inspired now and <laughs> it's also making me excited and thinking back of some conflicts that I had you know with kids that I could have been avoided <laughs>
<laughs> if we we both like we could have both had uh, more fun so that's definitely something that i'm going to onboard and and use in the future so that's very helpful thank you so much tara my pleasure thank you for having me thank you so much for listening feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know if you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.